this is Denise welcoming you to the 2368th edition of the Enfield Talking Newspaper, dateline 4th of December 2023, and it's our very special festive edition. The readers this week are Denise, myself, Roz, Chris, Bambos Sharalambus, our special guest, Angela, Bill, and with Hass on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. For week beginning... The 4th of December 2023, the sunrise time is 07.47 and the sunset time is 15.53. Now, we won't have normal local news this week. That will be resumed in the new year and we'll be having lots of festive fun instead. As usual, do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07899854582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Roz is going to tell you all about Christmas in different cultures. Indeed. Hello, listeners. This is Christmas in different cultures uh, because Christmas is a religious festival celebrated by Christians all over the world. However, Christmas traditions and cultures vary depending on where in the world you are. Now, let's take a really big trip to Australia because in Australia it's often celebrated by enjoying the outdoors on the beach as festival season falls at the start of their summer holidays. Barbecues on the beach are a popular choice, along with camping outdoors, stockings of seafood for festive feasts with family and friends. And in the African country of Ghana, Christmas is celebrated from the 20th of December through to the first week of January, with many Ghanaians travelling around the country to spend time with their friends and family. And on Christmas Eve, churches put on elaborate displays consisting of drumming and dancing to accompany the festive displays. Typical food eaten on the religious celebration includes stew or okra soup, porridge with meats, rice and a yam pasty called fufu. You know fufu? Is it yum? Oh, fantastic. Now, in Vietnam... Christmas Eve is often a bigger celebration than Christmas Day. Many people flock into Ho Chi Minh City, the largest city in Vietnam. The city has a large cathedral, which people love to visit whilst enjoying the festive lights and Christmas displays in the city centre. Although many of us are familiar with the traditions and religious festivals of Christmas, we all choose to celebrate differently and our families have their own traditions. The majority of homes in UK have a Christmas tree, which is decorated with brightly coloured lights, presents underneath until Christmas Day. Well, most houses anyway. Um, In the UK, it's also popular for children to write letters to Father Christmas, asking for gifts. That's why they call it a wish list. Keep wishing, guys. Um, And to leave mince pies out on Christmas Eve for Father Christmas, along with a carrot or two for Rudolph and his other reindeers. Now, in Belgium... Children believe that Father Christmas visits their homes on December the 6th. Well, really, December the 6th. With his horse and his assistant, Black Peter, people leave their shoes by the fireplace with a drawing of Father Christmas, a biscuit and a carrot for his horse. They believe that the visit from Santa is separate to the actual Christmas festival. Small presents and placed under the tree from family and friends, then open together on Christmas Eve. Christmas in Japan has only really been celebrated for the past couple of decades due to there not being many Christians living in the country. They send and receive Christmas cards, which is a tradition they acquired from the USA. They celebrate Christmas as more of a season to spread the happiness and love around. And Christmas Eve is a bigger event in their culture than Christmas Day itself. It's time when couples spend time together, opening presents, and in some way resembles our Valentine's Day. Finally, in Costa Rica, people like to decorate their homes with tropical flowers and spend time with friends and family down on the beach. But however you spend your Christmas, for me, I hope it's a goodie. Over to you, Chris. Hello, it's Chris here. Right, well, I've got two 
lovely poems by A. A. Milne. One is called At the Zoo, because that's what you do at Christmas, and the other is about a king, because kings appear during Christmas. So, At the Zoo by A. A. Milne. There are lions and roaring tigers, and enormous camels and things. There are buffalo, buffalo, bisons, and a great big bear with wings. There's a sort of tiny potamus, and a tiny noceros too. But I gave buns to the elephant when I went down to the zoo. There are badgers and bidgers and bodgers and a superintendent's house. There are masses of goats and a polar and different kinds of mouse. And I think there's a sort of thing which is called a wallabaloo. But I gave buns to the elephant when I went down to the zoo. If you try to talk to the bison, he never quite understands. You can't shake hands with a mingo. He doesn't like shaking hands. And lions and roaring tigers hate saying, how do you do? But I gave buns to the elephant when I went down to the zoo. And the second one is called, If I Were a King. I often wish I were a king, and then I could do anything. If only I were king of Spain, I'd take my hat off in the rain. If only I were king of France, I wouldn't brush my hair for aunts. I think if I were king of Greece, I'd push things off the mantelpiece. If I were king of Norway, I'd ask an elephant to stay. If I were king of Babylon, I'd leave my button gloves undone. If I were king of Timbuktu, I'd think of lovely things to do. If I were king of anything, I'd tell the soldiers I'm the king. Have you ever wondered where Christmas cards originated from? Well, this is uh, the history of Christmas cards. So the custom of sending Christmas cards as we know them today was started in the UK in 1843 by Sir Henry Cole. He was a senior civil servant who had helped set up the new public record office, now called the post office, where he was an assistant keeper and wondered how it could be used more by ordinary people. Sir Henry had the idea of Christmas cards when his friend, John Horsley, who was an artist, um, they designed the first card and sold them for one shilling each. That's 5p in today's money. But in those days, it was worth much more. The card had three panels. The outer two panels showed people caring for the poor, and in the centre panel was a family having a large Christmas dinner. Some people didn't like the card because it showed a child being given a glass of wine. About a 1,000, or it might have been less, were printed and sold. They're now very rare and cost thousands of pounds uh, to buy now. The original cards were advertised with the slogan, Just Published, a Christmas Congratulations Card, or the picture emblematic of old English festivity to perpetuate kind recollections between dear friends. So how the Christmas cards became a common tradition? Well, the first postal service that ordinary people could use was started in 1840 when the first penny post uh, public postal deliveries began. Sir Henry Cole helped introduce the penny post. Before that, only very rich people could afford to send anything in the post. The new post office was able to offer a penny stamp because new railways were being built. These would carry much more post than the horse and carriage uh, that had been used before. Also, trains could go faster and cards became even more popular in the UK when they could be posted in an unsealed envelope for only one half penny, half the price of an ordinary letter. As printing methods improved, Christmas cards became much more popular and were produced in large numbers. From about 1860, uh, from about 1860 in 1870, the cost of sending a postcard and also Christmas cards dropped to half a penny, and this meant even more people were able to send cards. An engraved card by the artist William Edgeley, uh, who illustrated some of Charles Dickens' books, uh, is on display in the British Museum. By the early 1900s, the custom had spread over Europe and had become especially popular in Germany. 
The first cards usually had pictures of the nativity scene on them. In late Victorian times, robins uh, and snow scenes became popular. In those times, the postmen were nicknamed Robin Postmen because of the red uniforms they wore. And snow scenes were popular because they reminded people of the very bad winter that happened in the UK in 1836. Christmas cards uh, appeared in the United States of America in the late 1840s, but were very expensive, and most people couldn't afford them. In couldn't afford them. In 1875, Louis Prang, a printer who was originally from Germany, but who had also worked on the early uh, cards in the UK, started mass-producing cards so more people could afford to buy them. Mr. Prang's first card featured flowers, plants, and children. In 1915, John C. Hall and two of his brothers created Hallmark cards, who are still one of the biggest card card makers today. The first personalised Christmas card was sent in 1891 by Annie Oakley, a famous sharpshooter and star of Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. She was in Glasgow, in Scotland, at Christmas in 1891 and sent cards back to her friends and family in the USA featuring a photo of her on it. As she was in Scotland, she was wearing tartan in the photo, Annie reportedly designed the card uh, herself, and they were printed by a local printer. And in in the 1910s and 1920s, homemade cards became popular. They were often unusual shapes and had things on them such as foil and ribbon on them. And these were usually too delicate to send through the post and were given by hand. Nowadays, cards have all sorts of pictures on them, jokes, winter pictures, Santa Claus or romantic scenes of life in the past. Charities often sell their own Christmas cards, as a way of raising money at Christmas, and we're all very grateful to receive them. We just can't afford to send them. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Hi, dear readers, this is Angela speaking. Um, I'd like to read you a poem to uh, commemorate the passing of Benjamin Obadiah Iqbal Zephaniah. He was a British writer, a dub poet and an actor, and he was included in the Times list of Britain's top 50 post-war writers in uh, 2008. Uh, He passed away on the 7th of December, 2023. He was born in Birmingham in Hansworth on the 15th of April, 1958. And I have a poem that is uh, in keeping with the season. This poem is called Talking Turkeys by Benjamin Zephaniah. So here we go. Be nice to your turkeys this Christmas, cause turkeys just wanna have fun. Turkeys are cool, turkeys are wicked, and every turkey has a mom. Be nice to your turkeys this Christmas. Don't eat it, keep it alive. It could be your meat, not a thing on your plate. Say, yo, turkey, I'm on your side. I got a lot of friends who are turkeys. All of them fear Christmas time. Them want to enjoy it. They say humans destroy it. And humans are out of their mind. Yeah, I got a lot of friends who are turkeys. They all have a right to live, not to be caged up and genetically made up by any farmer and his wife. Turkeys just want to play reggae. Turkeys just want to <laughs> hip-hop. Can you imagine a nice young turkey saying, I cannot wait for the chop? <laughs> turkeys like getting presents. They want to watch Christmas TV. Turkeys have brains, and turkeys feel pain in many ways, just like you and me. I once knew a turkey called Turkey. He said, Benji, explain to me, please, who put the turkey in at the Christmas, and what happened to them Christmas trees? I said, I'm not too sure, Turkey, but it's nothing to do with Christmas. Humans get greedy and waste more than need be, and businessmen make loads of cash. Be nice to your turkeys this Christmas. Invite them indoors for some greens. Let them eat cake and let them partake in a plate of organic grown beans. Be nice to your turkeys this Christmas and spare them the cut of the knife. Join turkeys united and they'll be delighted and you'll make a new friend for life. (laughs) (laughs) That was in honour of the late, great Benjamin Zephaniah. Wonderful man. Yes.
Okay, the next item is a quiz. And it's a Christmas quiz to go with the time of the year. The first round is Christmas trivia. If you were born on Christmas Day, what's your star sign? Capricorn. Yes, Capricorn is the star sign for Christmas Day. In what year was the first Christmas card sent? 1743, 1843 or 1943? 1843 is correct. Which one of Santa's reindeer has the same name as the God of Love? Ah, Cupid indeed. What does Santa give naughty children? Coal. Coal is correct, <laughs> yes. What was Scrooge's first name? Ebenezer. Ebenezer, yes, Ebenezer. Horrible Scroogey. Round two, the festive food and drink round. The first question is, what is traditionally hidden in a Christmas pudding? Something sixpence. silver. Yes, six, yes. Or a silver yeah. coin or a sixpence yeah. is what is normal. Right. Next question is which Christmas goodies are shaped to resemble a shepherd's staff? Candy. Oh, candy canes. Yes, candy canes. Candy canes is correct. Next question is what is the name of a female turkey? Ah, oh, that's got everyone guessing, hasn't it? Oh, okay. Um, I'll give the answer to that one later and let people have a think about it. So, what aromatic flowers buds are used to decorate and flavour a Christmas Yule ham joint? Rose is correct. <laughs> And the next one is, um, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, so I'll have a go. And the question is, what is the Bouche de Noël, better known as? That's a Bouche. Log. Oh. Christmas log. Oh. That's a Christmas log. log. It's correct. Maybe yeah. Well done. Round three is Christmas traditions. So, question number one, which country started the tradition of putting up a Christmas tree? No. No. Germany? Yes, Germany is the answer. Number two, what must-have item for the Christmas table did Tom Smith invent in the early 1850s? Christmas cracker indeed. In what year was the Queen's Christmas speech first televised? 1952, 1955 or 1957? The year of my birth, 1957. Correct. 1957 was the first Christmas Queen's speech. In which country did Christmas caroling originate? Which country? Which country? Zimbabwe. <laughs> France. Uh, Close. Germany? France. No. Norway. No. <laughs> Norway was getting closer, but we'll leave that one till later. Which traditional Christmas plant supposedly wards off demons? Yeah, and you can have a good kiss underneath it as well. Right, that's that round. And last round is round four, which is Christmas music, entertainment and film. Which animated feature features the song Walking in the Air? The Snowman. No. The Snowman, yes, the Snowman. The next question is, what Christmas-themed ballet premiered in St. Petersburg, Russia in 1892? The Nutcracker. The Nutcracker is correct. I hope you've got a good supply of walnuts and brazils for your Christmas Delight. Question number three is, according to the song, what did my true love give to me on the ninth day of Christmas? Nine ladies tap dancing or dancing or doing their own thingy. Nine ladies <laughs> dancing indeed. 
and what a sight to see. Exactly. And next question number four. What Bing Crosby Carol is the world's best-selling single ever? White Christmas. Yes. That was a really difficult one. White Christmas, <laughs> yes. I think everybody in the world probably knows that one. Which band sang the iconic Christmas song, Mary's Boy Child? Boney M. Boney M is correct, and that is the end of the quiz. I've now got a couple of poems for you. The first one is called Just Doing My Job, written by Claire Bevan. I'm one of Erid's henchmen. We don't have much to say. We just charge through the audience in a henchman sort of way. We all wear woolly helmets to hide our hair and ears and Wellington sprayed silver to match our tinfoil spears. Our swords are made out of cardboard so blood will not be spilled if we trip and stab a parent when the hall's completely filled. We don't look very scary. We're mostly small and shy. And some of us wear glasses, but we give the thing a try. We whisper henchman noises while Herod hunts for strangers. And then we all charge out again like nervous Power Rangers. Yet, when the play is over and Miss is out of breath, we'll charge like henchmen through the hall and scare our mums to death. Oh, that conjures up many a nativity uh, play at school, that does. And just before I read the second one, I've got a little joke. Knock, knock, Angela. Who's there? Mary. Mary who? Merry Christmas. <laughs> and the second poem is called They're Fetching in Ivy and Holly. They're fetching in ivy and holly and putting it this way and that. I simply can't think of the reason, said Sai Sai, the Siamese cat. They're pinning up lanterns and streamers. There's mistletoe over the door. They've brought in a tree from the garden. I do wish I knew what it's for. It's covered with little glass candles that go on and off without stop. They've put it to stand in a corner and tied a fairy on top. They're stringing bright cards by the dozen and letting them hang in a row. Some people outside in the roadway are singing a song in the snow. I saw all the children write letters and I'm not sure at all this was wise. They posted each one up the chimney. I couldn't believe my own eyes. What on earth in the middle of winter does the family think it is at? Won't somebody please come and tell me, said Sai Sai, the Siamese cat. And that was written by Charles Causley. And now over to you, Roz. Thank you. Now I'm coming back to the important things of Christmas. And of course that's food. So let's talk about stolen. Now, stolen or Christolen is a traditional festival. Uh, delicacy dating back to the 14th century from Germany. Now, historically, Germans baked stolen loaves and at Christmas to honour princes and church dignitaries and also to sell at fairs and festivals for holiday celebrations. The earliest stolen recipes were made as bread without milk or butter because the Catholic Church did not allow such luxury items during Advent. Now, in the mid-17th century, a papal proclamation allowed stolen bakers to add their milk and butter, resulting in the recipe similar to the one we now know today. Our favourite legend pertaining to stolen bread is that the, the lump, the hump on the back of the, of the loaves represents the humps of the camels that had carried the gifts to, to the baby Jesus on the first Christmas. And it is also thought that the candied fruits and raisins found within Stolen are the gifts in the camel's packs. These days, this richly baked treat comes in many sizes, from slices to large treats. But whatever your choice, none will disagree that Stolen is a custom that was brought joy and meaning and a festive aroma and taste to the holiday celebrations. 
Absolutely. Hello, it's Chris again. Well, at the end of a Christmas day, we might climb the stairs or walk along the landing and gaze at the moon and go into the land of Nod. So, here are two poems by Robert Louis Stevenson. The first one is called The Moon. The moon has a face like the clock in the hall. She shines on thieves on the garden wall, on streets and fields and harbour keys, and birdies asleep in the forks of the trees. The squalling cat and the squeaking mouse, the howling dog by the door of the house, the bat that lies in bed at noon, all love to be out by the light of the moon. But all of the things that belong to the day cuddle to sleep, to be out of her way, and flowers and children close their eyes till up in the morning the sun shall arise. And hopefully everyone will then go into the land of Nod. Another poem by Robert Louis Stevenson. From from breakfast on through all the day, at home among my friends I stay. But every night I go abroad, afar into the land of Nod. All by myself I have to go, with none to tell me what to do. All alone beside the streams and up the mountain sides of dreams. The strangest things are these for me both things to eat and things to see, and many frightening sights abroad, till morning in the land of Nod. Try as I like to find the way, I never can get back by day, nor can remember, plain and clear, the curious music that I hear. Christmas will never be complete without the Christmas cracker jokes, So I have a few Christmas cracker jokes uh, for you today. So here we go. Why did the scarecrow get a big Christmas bonus? Why? Because he was outstanding in his field. Why does the Christmas alphabet only have 25 letters? Don't know. Because it has no L. No. And here's another one. What's the name of Santa's dog? Santa Paws. Very good. And, okay, who is Santa's helper's favourite singer? Elfish Presley! And last but not least, what do you get if you cross Santa with a duck? Christmas quacker, very good. I think we've had enough jokes here. But, uh, yeah. Plenty more. And now I have uh, a few short articles uh, still within the theme of Christmas. So, um, a couple's first Christmas tree that they planted in 1978 now attracts thousands to see it on festi- with its festive lights switched on. So that's Avril and Christopher Rowlands who paid £6 for the fir tree, which has grown to 50 foot in a place called Inkerborough in Worcestershire. Christopher, aged 79, said, During Covid, we didn't do the switch on, but it was lit. It was like a beacon of hope. Lighting it was an annual tradition, and long may it continue. Uh, now, here's a short article about Mariah Carey. Now, Mariah Carey, we all know, is known as the Queen of Christmas, but Mariah Carey's hit is not for everyone. Um, they, all, all they want to hear is that not Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You should be banned says, I know, says more than one in ten UK listeners. The 1994 classic earns the star up to 23 
up, sorry, the 1994 classic earns the star up to 2.3 million every year. But it has, I know, but it has come, has, has become such a festive staple that 12% of the UK cannot bear the tune. And it's shown up in a poll by a pub chain, Green King, and swapping Santa secret, secret Santa gifts is also a turn off for 13% while 7% say they're sick of Christmas carols, bar humbug. Not my, yeah, not my opinion. And last but not least, um, we collectively will be using a lot of fuel this Yule, as we typically spend 81 hours binging Christmas telly and 40 hours cooking festive fare. The heating will be on for an average of 155 hours during the celebrations. These findings come from the British Gas Poll as it gifts customers half-priced electricity each Sunday this month to keep costs down. But don't quote me on that. (laughs) 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 Okay, um... I have a couple of poems. Um, the first one is called Snowball, and it's by Shel Silverstein. I made myself a snowball as perfect as could be. I thought I'd keep it as a pet and let it sleep with me. I made it some pyjamas and a pillow for its head. Then last night it ran away, but first it wet the bed. <laughs> one is a poem by Cecil Day-Lewis. Um, it's called The Christmas Rose. What is the flower that blooms each year in flowerless days, making a little blaze on the bleak earth, giving my heart some cheer? Harsh the sky and hard the ground when the Christmas rose is found. Look, its white star, low on earth, Raise a vision of rebirth. Who is that child that's born each year? His bedding straw, his grace enough to thaw. My wintering life and melts a world's despair. Harsh the sky and hard the earth. When the Christmas child comes forth, look around the stable throne. Beasts and wise men are at one. What men are we that year on year we, Herod-wise, in our cold wits devise a death of innocence, a rule of fear? Hushed your earth, full-starred your sky, for a new nativity be born in us, relieve our plight, Christmas child, you rose of light. Right, I now have some uh, unusual Christmas traditions from around the world, taken from HolidayExtras.com. Now we go to Austria is our first port of call. British children are well acquainted with Father Christmas, Santa Claus or Saint Nick, but will find something a little more sinister lurking around Austria. That's because it's here that a ghoulish creature called Krampus, the evil accomplice of St Nicholas, is said to wander the streets in search of badly behaved children. During the month of December, you can expect to see terrifying masked figures out and about scaring kids and adults alike with ghastly pranks. Oh, sounds very scary. And next stop is Ukraine. One of Ukraine's favourite festive traditions is not one for those with a fear of creepy crawlies. Where we would have baubles, tinsel and stars, Ukrainians use decorations that mimic the natural formation of spiders' webs shimmering with dew. The tradition goes back to a folk tale about a poor widow who could not afford to decorate a tree for her children. Legend has it that spiders in the house took pity on the family and spun beautiful webs all over the tree, which the children awoke to find on Christmas morning. Spiders' webs are also considered to be lucky in Ukrainian culture. And now we move on to Japan. 
Back in 1974, the American fast food restaurant KFC released a festive marketing Kurisumasu Niwa Kentucky, Kentucky for Christmas, spawned a national tradition that still thrives to this day. Although Christmas isn't a national holiday in Japan, families from all over the country head to their local KFC for a special Christmas Eve meal. Mmm. And now to Germany. The Christmas tree tradition embraced around the world today is believed to have started in Germany back in the 16th century. So it comes as no surprise that our continental cousins still have some unique customs relating to the festive conifers. One of these is to hide a pickle somewhere within the branches of the tree and give a gift to whichever child in the household finds it. Some claim that the tradition may not be German after all. One legend says that the Christmas pickle originated in Spain when two young boys were held as prisoners inside a pickle barrel. The heroic Saint Nicholas rescued the boys and brought them back to life. Either way, a pickle on the Christmas tree is a tradition we can totally get behind. And now we move to warmer climes, to Caracas. In the Venezuelan capital of Caracas, swathes of city dwellers make their way to mass on roller skates every year on Christmas morning. The tradition is now so well established that many of the city streets are closed to traffic from 8am so that the skating congregation can get to church safely. It is even said that children will sleep with one lace from their skates tied around their toe, the other skate dangling from the window so that their friends can wake them up with a friendly tug on the lace. Over to you, Ros. Well, I'm thrilled to be reading this. I've known this poem for a long time, and it's a visit from St Nicholas. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house... Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. A mummer in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprung from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the crest of a new-fallen snow gave the lustre of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear? But a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St Nick. More rapid than eagles, his course as they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. Oh, come on, Cupid, Donner and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop this course as they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pouring of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back. He looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses. His nose, like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow. And the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth. And the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me the no I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk 
laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, so his team gave a whistle and away they flew like a down of a thistle. And I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, part of Christmas for some people is going to see the Christmas lights in Oxford Street and Regent Street or even just in Enfield. But did you know that if you walk on a pavement line, you will be eaten by a bear? Ah, see, no one knew here, but A.A. Milne did, which is a very good thing. And he wrote a poem called Lines and Squares to warn everyone. So listen up sharp. Whenever I walk in a London street, I'm ever so careful to watch my feet. And I keep in the squares and the masses of bears who wait at the corners already to eat the sillies who tread on the lines of the street go back to their lairs. And I say to them, bears, just look how I'm walking in all the squares. And the little bears growl to each other, he's mine, as soon as he's silly and steps on a line. And some of the bigger bears try to pretend that they've come round a corner to look for a friend. And they try to pretend that nobody cares whether you walk on the lines of squares. But only the sillies believe their talk. It's ever so important how you work. And it's ever so jolly to call out, Bears! Just watch me walking in all the squares. I've often wondered uh, what it's like to have your birthday on Christmas Day itself. Uh, And uh, it must be really unlucky because you don't get a chance to celebrate except it's uh, also Christmas Day. um, But there are also a number of famous people that celebrate their birthdays on Christmas Day. So here are just a few that um, have some have a very close association with Christmas and others don't. So uh, we have quite a few singers. So Annie Lennox... Uh, was born Christmas Day in 1954, as Dido was born in 1971. But uh, Shane McGowan, who sadly passed away, famous for Fairy Tale of New York, uh, was uh, born on Christmas Day in 1957. So how about that? We've also got uh, a number of uh, actors uh, and actresses who were born on... So Humphrey Bogart was born on Christmas Day. So those of you watching Casablanca on Christmas Day, uh, that's... uh, Played against them. Played against them. Uh, Sissy Spacek, uh, uh, Ava Gardner, and the famous Noel Gordon from Coronation Street, from Crossroads even, uh, from those who remember the Crossroads from the 1970s, the Crossroads Motel. so, yeah, shout out to those. Uh, and also um, the cricketer Alistair Cook was also born on Christmas Day. So a big shout out to anybody celebrating Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Hope you have a good one and uh, you share it in good company with those people I've just mentioned as, as well as many others. Interesting. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. All aboard for the festive season at London Transport Museum located in Covent Garden. There's plenty of seasonal cheer at the London Transport Museum this year with a magical winter garden, special events and the chance to meet the man in red himself. Running until the 4th of January... Guests can enjoy a range of exciting activities that will keep the whole family entertained. Younger visitors can meet Santa in his grotto until December the 23rd and climb aboard a Rootmaster-inspired interactive sleigh while older children can watch short festive films in the secret hideaway. Enjoy, a drop-in work- enjoy drop-in workshops where you can make your very own perfect pop-out holiday card and take it home and get stuck into Christmassy colouring in activities inspired by wintry posters from the museum's extensive collection. 
there will there is also a chance to take part in a digital trail and weave your way around the historic vintage vehicles as well as explore a display of fabulous vintage London transport posters celebrating popular Christmas pastimes. You can also shop to your drop, and shoppers are spot for choice this year too, with a range of unique transport-inspired gifts and Christmas knitwear on offer at the museum shop. Choose from jumpers, hats and scarves featuring London buses, tube trains and the iconic Rondell classic board games with a transport twist. Beautiful wooden children train sets and the ultimate stocking filler, Moquette socks. <laughs> Plus, fans of art and design can buy a selection of famous vintage tube poster prints from the museum's collection. Once you've had your fill of fun, visit the museum's cafe where a variety of treats are available. Adult tickets to the museum cost £24 and include free return entry for a whole year. Children aged 17 and under go free. And to find out more details about the programme of events this festive season and to book tickets... Visit ltmuseum.co.uk. I was recently watching television and um, one of the featured items in this particular programme was an item on what is an old English tradition of wassailing. And I became really interested in what it was and so I'd like to pass it on to you people. Um, wassailing is a very ancient custom that is rarely done today. The word wassail comes from the Anglo-Saxon phrase was hull, which means good health. Originally, the wassail was a drink made of mulled ale, curdled cream, roasted apples, eggs, cloves, ginger, nutmeg and sugar. It was served from huge bowls, often made of silver or pewter. Jesus College in Oxford University has a wassail bowl that is covered with silver. It can hold 10 gallons of drink. Wassailing was traditionally done on New Year's Eve and Twelfth Night, but some rich people drank wassail on all of the 12 days of Christmas. The wassail drink mixture was sometimes called lamb's wool because of the pulp of the roasted apples looked all frothy and bit like and a bit like lamb's wool. One legend above how about how Wassail was created says that a beautiful Saxon maiden named Rowena presented Prince Vortigan with a bowl of wine while toasting him with the words Wassail Over the centuries a great deal of ceremony developed around the custom of drinking wassail. The bowl was carried into a room with a great fanfare, a traditional carol about the drink was sung, and finally the steaming hot beverage was served. From this it developed into another way of saying Merry Christmas to each other. One of the most popular wassail carols went like this. I won't sing it. Here we come a wassailing among the leaves so green. Here we come a wassailing, so fair to be seen. Love and joy come to you, and to you and your wassail too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy new year. In parts of England, such as Somerset and Sussex, where apples are grown, especially for cider, wassail still takes place on Twelfth Night or sometimes New Year's Eve or even Christmas Eve. People go into apple orchards and then sing songs, make loud noises and dance around to scare off any evil spirits and also to wake up the trees so that they would give a good crop. It's also common to place toast, which has been soaked in beer or cider, into the boughs of the tree to feed and thank the trees for giving apples. That's where the term to toast someone with a drink comes from. In parts of South Wales in the United Kingdom, there is the tradition of Murray Lloyd, was selling horse. Very interesting. Thank you, Bill. 
Uh, now I've got some more unusual traditions from around the world. And our first stop this time is Italy. You can forget Santa and 25th of December when in Italy, as all the action takes place on the eve of the 5th of January. According to folklore, an old woman named Belfana visits all the children of Italy to fill their stockings with candy and leave them presents, if they've been good. Just like Father Christmas, Belfana enters through the chimney and is left treats by the children who live there, typically wine and local delicacies. Moving on to cooler climes now in Iceland. One of the more unique festive traditions we've heard of comes from Iceland, where a giant cat is said to roam the snowy countryside at Christmas time. Traditionally, farmers would use the Yule cat as an incentive for their workers. Those who worked hard would receive a new set of clothes, but those who didn't would be devoured by the gigantic cat-like beast. Today, it is customary for everyone in Iceland to get new clothing for Christmas to avoid an unsavoury demise. And now we move to South Africa. When you think of Christmas food, mince pies and turkey are often on the list. In South Africa, however, it's creepy crawlies that local children look forward to. Festive fried caterpillars may seem like one of the more unusual Christmas traditions, but these caterpillars aren't just the run-of-the-mill variety you find in the garden. The pine tree emperor moth, or Christmas caterpillar, is covered in very festive hues, giving all who swallow them a little extra luck in the coming year. And now going north to Norway... According to Norwegian folklore, Christmas Eve is the day when mischievous spirits and witches take to the skies for mischief and general tomfoolery. As witches often use brooms as their preferred mode of transportation, it's tradition for Norwegian families to hide away any sweeping sticks where the witches won't be able to find them. And to their neighbour, Sweden now... In 1958, a Christmas special animation called Kala Anka Okvana Unsha Goyul, or Donald Duck and his friends wish you a Merry Christmas. Every Christmas, families around Sweden gather around the TV at 3pm sharp to watch Donald deliver his raspy message. Well, it makes a change from the Queen, doesn't it? Or the King, as it will be. You know, everything on Christmas is planned around the television special and more than 40% of Sweden's population still tune in like clockwork. The tradition dates back to the 1960s when televisions were a new commodity in Sweden and only two channels aired, one of which played Disney cartoons at Christmas. It may be a quirky tradition, but a whole nation coming together to watch Christmas cartoons is about as festive as it gets. And now going uh, very far south to New Zealand. Thought all Christmas trees were created equal? Think again. The Kiwis are all about the Pahutakawa, a beautiful tree that is native to New Zealand with gnarled roots and bright crimson flowers. The first mention of the Pahut I'll try that again. The Pohutukawa tree came from Austrian geologist Ferdinand von Hochstetter in 1867. He described locals decorating their churches and homes with the brightly coloured branches at Christmas. Today, the Pohutukawa tree is a recognised symbol of Christmas around New Zealand and is featured on Christmas cards, decorations and even in the Christmas carols that children sing at school. And finally, we take a trip back to Sweden and hear about the Yule goat. We have one more tradition from Sweden, which may just be the oldest tradition on this list. The Yule goat dates back to at least the 11th century, where there are mentions of a man-sized goat figure led by St Nicholas, who had the power to control the devil. The Yule goat, as you can imagine, has changed quite a bit throughout history. In the 17th century, it was popular for young men to dress as the goat creature and run around pulling pranks and demanding gifts. 
By the 19th century, the goat became the good guy, a giver of gifts. Instead of Father Christmas, men in the family would dress up as the goat and give gifts to the entire family. Today, the man-goat is no longer, and the yule-goat has taken its place in modern history as a traditional Christmas ornament on trees throughout Sweden. In larger cities, giant versions of these goat ornaments are created out of straw and red ribbons. Must be quite a sight. <laughs> Over to you, Ross. Well, what would Christmas be without those crackers? I mean, they are the traditional Christmas favourite. But some of the traditional facts as to their creation are almost like a festive fairy tale in themselves. Um, they were first made in about 1845 to 1850 by a London sweet maker called Tom Smith, who set up shop in Goswell Road, Clerkenwell, and Smith initially produced wedding cakes and sweets. He had seen the French bonbon sweets, almonds wrapped in pretty paper, on a visit to Paris in 1840, and he came back to London and tried selling sweets like that in England, and he also included a small natur riddle in the middle. But they didn't sell very well. In 1861, Tom Smith launched his new range of what he called Bangs of Expectation. <laughs> Quite. Legend says that one night, while he was sitting in front of his log fire, he became fascinated by the sparks and cracks coming from the fire. Suddenly he thought, what a fun idea it would be if his sweets and toys could be opened with a crack when their fancy wrappers were pulled apart, releasing a sugared almond and motto. However, looking into the history of Tom Smith Company, it's thought that Tom actually bought the recipe for his small cracks and bangs in crackers from a fireworks company called Brock's Fireworks. The story of him sitting by his fire was probably added to help sell those raw items. Crackers were also nicknamed croquettes, after, um, named after the Cossacks, Soldiers who had a reputation for riding on horses and firing guns into the air. When Tom died, he expanded cracker business, was taken over by his three sons, Tom, Walter and Henry. Now, his middle son, Walter, introduced these hats into crackers. And he also travelled around the world looking for new ideas for gifts to put into the crackers. The crowns might have been inspired from epiphany cakes that Europe... Uh, from Europe, which are often decorated with paper crowns on the top. The company built up a big range of themed crackers. There were ones for bachelors and spinsters where the gifts were things like heart-shaped cards and wedding rings. Hint, hint. Crackers were also made for special occasions like coronations. The British royal family are also still said to have special crackers made specially for them today. Very expensive crackers were made as the millionaire crackers, which contained a solid silver box with a piece of gold and silver jewellery inside. Yes, please, if you're listening. <laughs> Cracker manufacturers also made large displays such as horse-drawn carriages and sleighs for big shops in London. Now, the Christmas crackers that are used today are soft cardboard tubes wrapped up in colourful paper. There is normally a cracker next to each plate on the Christmas table. When the crackers are pulled with a bang, a colourful party hat, a toy or gift and a festive joke falls out. The party hats look like crowns as they thought to symbolise the crowns that might have been worn by the wise men. The paper crowns are often brightly coloured and ill-fitting but you still have to wear yours no matter what tradition. Another Christmas tradition uh, is the Christmas number one. Uh -huh. And many of us will have uh, listened attentively for the Christmas number one over the years. Mm -hmm. So here are just uh, some random facts about some Christmas number ones from bygone days. So the, um, the, only, the first act to have four Christmas number ones was, can you guess? Mr Cliff Richard. No, it was the oh, Beatles. The Beatles. So they had four Christmas number ones in the 60s. Oh. They were I Want to Hold Your Hand, I Feel Fine, uh, Day Tripper Stroke We Can Work It Out, and the uh, number one which was when I was born was Hello Goodbye. 
Um, the Spice Girls were the only act to have three successive number ones. Uh, so th theirs were Two Become One, Too Much, and Goodbye. Uh, we, we had this uh, uh, question earlier, uh, but Boney M had a hit with Mary's Boy Child, but it was also a hit for Harry Belafonte. That's right. Uh, on, it was That's also right. Christmas number one uh, in 1957. And Boney M was 1978. And the only song to have been number one on Christmas Day by the same artist, the same song, was Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, which was number one in 1975, but also in 1991 when Freddie Mercury died. There are lots of uh, fabulous songs that uh, made number one uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, just give you uh, an idea. We've a Moon River, Return to Sender, Green Green Grass of Home, um, Long Head Lover from Liverpool, for those of you that remember. Oh, little, little Jimmy Osman. Uh, <laughs> Mull of Kintyre. Slade's Merry Christmas, everybody, and many, many more. So I hope, hope you all enjoy those festive songs uh, that have been Christmas number ones uh, over the festive period. Well, um, dear listeners, um, this is Angela speaking. I am Nigerian with my heritage. So how do Nigerians spend Christmas? Well, one of the most popular Nigerian Christmas traditions is attending carol services during this time of the year because nothing says Merry Christmas like singing classic hymns and celebrating in grand style. And many churches organize big events that draw large crowds. Um, after singing, of course, we have our Nigerian cuisine and you know, we eat jellof rice, candied yam, uh, chicken and goat, and lots of family activities are centered around that. And I thought I'd like to share that with you because um, I'd also like to add that Christmas crackers have made their way <laughs> all the way to the uh, West African uh, Christmas table. Uh, following on from there, I have a few jokes. They are a bit dry. They might need moisturizing. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize in advance, but here we go. So... Knock, knock. Who's there? Gladys. Gladys Christmas. Knock, knock. Ho, ho, ho. Your Santa impression needs a little work. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dexter. Dexter halls with boughs of holly. Knock, knock. Who's there? Santa, oh, sorry, Santa. Santa. Santa Christmas card on you. <laughs> did, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you, oh, Santa Christmas card. Uh, my apologies, dear. Uh, knock, knock. Elf. Let me wrap this present for Santa. Knock, knock. Holly. Holidays are here again. Yeah. And here's the last one, if you could just bear with me. Knock, knock. Interrupting Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, there were two um, answers in the quiz, which um, nobody here seemed to have <laughs> guessed. And um, the first one was, what is the name of a female turkey? And I have the two two names actually. One, one is a, a torn, and the other is a gobbler. So that's a torn and a gobbler. T O R N. T O R N. Torn and a gobbler. Okay. And the other one was in which country did Christmas caroling originate? And people guessed all around it, but it's Austria. Well, sadly, we have reached the end of our fabulous festive programme for this week. So thank you so much for listening. And from the team of myself, Denise, Roz, Chris, Bambos, Angela, Bill and Hass on the controls, it's... Bye-bye. Oh. Merry Christmas, everyone. 
Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition, which next week will be another festive New Year edition this time and it will be the last for 2023. And so we will rejoin you again in the new year. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying play podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899854582. The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time. Don't forget and will be a festive New Year edition. Thank you. Goodbye.